Welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. My name is Laura Boyle and I'm your host. This is episode two, How to Make Relationship Agreements. Uh, so our topic today in and of itself is relationship agreements, the things that you decide upon with any individual partner about how that relationship is going to be structured and what the parameters of it are. Today, we get to have a lovely conversation with Ken Briota, a writer, storyteller, and editor who has been my partner for the last four years and polyamorous for some odd more. You can find him at storyphoenix.com and at a host of social media that are in the show notes, along with that lovely list of all of the places you can find him and all of the places that you can find the Ready for Polyamory podcast and the Ready for Polyamory blog, uh, you will find a list of the specific blog entries that deal with this topic, including the appropriately named How to Make Relationship Agreements from February 25th but also uh, agreements to make coming to polyamory with and without a partner on February 27th and March 2nd, and the April 27th post, the time I got into a fight about sleepovers, uh, which is a story about an agreement that Ken and I had to make. So, uh, this is a pretty complicated subject that our interview tries to touch on sort of lightly and humorously and the two of us are both extremely chatty people so we recorded well more than double what made it into this podcast and a lot of what's left is actually really excellent so if you become a subscriber a patron at our patreon uh, at the $5 or higher level, you will receive an entire further episode of Ken's storytelling and humor uh, drawn from the recording of this particular episode. So I think that's a wonderful incentive to sign up, but... Uh, if you're interested, the links to the Patreon and the Ko-Fi are in the uh, show notes as well. That said, let's get on to this in lovely interview with Ken Briota. We're going to talk about making relationship agreements and changing them as you go. Right. So, uh, thank you for joining me. We are going to talk about making relationship agreements which i feel like is kind of awkward to talk to my partner about but well can we uh, open with talking about the parameters of how we're going to have this discussion i'm really i want to make sure that you're comfortable about where the limits of it are the level of eye rolling <laughs> i just did <laughs> No, we're recording for real now. Like, yeah, I know. Hi, listeners. How are you? Did is 
I'm not sure that I haven't injured myself. Uh, Your listeners will probably not be accustomed to this low level of discourse, but uh, I assume that they're going to have to now. Everybody uh, (laughs) who happens to have gone back through the archives and read the very early uh, articles on how to make relationship agreements either when you're opening a relationship or when you're meeting someone new uh, might be familiar with the basic advice of doing some thinking about where your limits are. And so Ken is making fun of me and my terminology by going, well, shouldn't we discuss the limits of our discussion before we have our discussion? And guys, if you want to use a format for your discussions about changing parameters of your relationships or checking in on them, uh, I really recommend the format that the Multi-Amory podcast has laid out, which I know I'm not supposed to pimp uh, technically my competitors, but like, I'm not going to make up radar again. It already exists. (laughs) I will just tell you that it exists. Uh, on this episode of the Ready for Polyamory podcast, we will accidentally pimp everyone I am in competition with in both uh, writing and speaking. <laughs> Brought to you by the Multi-Amory podcast. Uh, no relation. <sighs> okay. To return to the subject at hand, at theory, in theory at hand, we'll see. Um. It's a very sort of different story making agreements in your relationship when you're trying to open it up for the first time. And uh, Ken has had that experience more times than I have and more recently than I have. So I don't know about more times. I don't think that's fair. I think you've probably done it more times than I have. No. I have not even <laughs> attempted to be monogamous since I was 19 years old. All right. That's there, fine. I guess in theory, you could say that we've done it an equal number of times. I don't think you ever like tried to have a conversation about being open with previous partners to my knowledge. You might've, uh, but you and your wife only did the once yeah. And uh, I only did the once. So there we go. So tied. we're tied. Uh, and that's that. Mine's just 13 years ago and yours is six. So and a I'm... half. <laughs> Look, your partner made a really big deal out of it being six and a half. Uh, <laughs> so since I interviewed him first, I'm going to stick with it. Listen, some uh, sometimes shorter people are very concerned with that extra half an inch. <laughs> those of us of uh, standard human height, don't worry so much about those small things. He is really tall. He is six foot three, guys. Don't two. let him six trick foot you. Two. We don't round up in standard human height land. We're six foot two. He's basically six foot three and I'm five three and he just (laughs) towers above me. And the first time I met him, well, no, let me rephrase that. The second time I met him, (laughs) well, no, the second time I met him, I was like, 
holy shit, I forgot you were tall. <laughs> um, and she did. His, she did do that. It was and his reaction was basically to look at me like I was insane and that he was the one of standard height and not me. I mean, like, that is correct. Not all of us are of Northern European stock. <laughs> it's true. So uh, we were talking about relationship uh, agreements. Right. I'm going to try to ask you some questions about uh, what kind of conversation happens. I will when occasionally you're answer them up on topic. Relationships. Yeah. So I know uh, because I know you all that <laughs> when you and your wife were looking to open up your relationship. You guys were basically just talking about whether or not it would be worth getting to know another couple who sometimes had sex with other people. So your initial sort of negotiations were around that kind of opening up. And then I don't know later feelings formed and you had to have those conversations. Okay, that's fair that's fair i wasn't sure that's the impression that i gained from talking to all of you over the years yeah no that that's pretty much right um uh i was going to amend to say the second part of what you said but yeah that was pretty much right 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 on we, we opened the discussion with you know the the most dance around awkward conversation that any two people have where you're like uh so what those guys are doing is interesting, huh? Yeah, man. I wonder, I wonder how that works. And oh, I don't know. I mean, what what do you, what do you think about that? I don't know. What what do you what about you? Is basically how that conversation went around for a while before. I think it was me probably finally just sat on it and was like, so are we talking about actually figuring out how to do this? Because it sounds like that would be interesting and fun. Basically, it's my understanding that the two of you decided that was an option and sort of went from there. Yeah. Did you guys actually have any kind of conversation about what was okay and what wasn't ahead of time? Uh, and if so, what kind of topics did you happen to mention, if you remember? Uh, yes and no is the answer. As always, there's middle ground. Basically, we talked... Uh, our, our opening conversation was like, this could be interesting. Uh, we like these people specifically and, uh, or we think we do. Uh, so let's just get to know them and see how that goes. And as basically impulsive people, um, we did uh, say, let's get to know them and invited uh, some people over. And, uh, uh the rest of the negotiation around the events of that very long evening uh were about like some significant looks and just one step above a wink <laughs> so <laughs> later there were more conversations <laughs> <laughs> you guys basically were like okay the concept of this might be interesting let's figure out if we like these people before we figure out any of the other negotiation of any of this pretty much and then uh we talked 
as new events or feelings or things that we were interested in doing came up, we talked about them sort of on a case by case basis. And then as we got a little bit more practice, we started trying to anticipate future things and pre-negotiate those so that they weren't surprises because there were, as would be expected, a few hiccups along the way with, oh, here's a whole new thing we need to figure out right now while we're in the middle of it. So we tried to circumvent that as we got a little bit more experienced in doing this together um, by anticipating future situations and negotiating uh, not just the logistics of uh, a new partner or whatever, also the feelings around that. Yeah, yeah. So trying to anticipate some of the things that we might want to do became the, the tricky part. Because it's not like at that point you're not negotiating for a specific uh, thing. You're sort of trying to anticipate how you're going to feel about something, which of course is a fool's errand anyway. Well, right. But so your negotiations went from, well, this is our first relationship with anyone else and it's worked out pretty well and they also happen to be a couple. So this is a nice, neat, unit to negotiate within Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. eventually move to trying to anticipate what meeting someone else would look like right and uh i mean that was much later really uh after nine months or so in uh, most of the the negotiations previous to that were like oh i think i'm developing feelings and we initially hadn't talked about feelings uh, what do those feelings mean? What are there words that are and aren't allowed? And and trying to figure out what some of the the rules around com- making things comfortable were within that new relationship structure, and mm-hmm. a lot of negotiation around th- physical things like sleepovers or time away. Uh, my wife and I had kids; the other couple didn't. At you know, so there was there was sort of figuring that stuff out and and um, different sort of availability for work versus like day hours, night hours. Th- those kinds of logistical uh, negotiations were going on alongside sort of developing emotional uh, decisions and discoveries. So that all makes sense. Um... I tend to, because I'm a very overthinking, um, but also very emotional person, I tend to over-anticipate new emotional problems, uh, as you well know by now. I am am shocked at this entirely new information. (laughs) Flabbergasted. Gobsmacked, even. So I'm waiting I, until I can see her starting to talk every time and then throwing in a new one of these. <laughs> yeah. So she's getting super annoyed by it. To <laughs> over anticipate what might happen, what must be the next four steps, and then, like, okay, we're going to pre negotiate these next four <laughs> steps that I think are likely. And, uh, and, like, I don't know, for me, I'd rather, I'd almost rather negotiate as I went along because I, I don't like taking a lot of the I emotional, would 
author do that? <laughs> well, I understand. Uh, it's just that to me, it's a lot of emotional labor to negotiate a bunch of things that haven't come up yet and didn't and probably won't. So I'd rather just say, here's the thing that has come up. Let's talk about that and the future cases that it implies and work on that as an actual current issue uh, and the future issues that will be likely outcomes of it rather than trying to sort of guess, at least with emotional changes. With physical, logistical things or uh, sort of boundaries, that's different. But with sort of emotional changes, I really uh, struggle with the idea of anticipation for that. So my thing is that I think my definition of what's a logistical issue or where a likely boundary will fall is just very different than yours. That seems probably true. Where you go, the immediate issue and like it's attendant logistical issues. I'm like, yeah, but I've seen six more attendant logistical issues in this than you have. And I end up annoying you, rolling you through what you think are unnecessary fire drills. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And some of it is also that there's no anticipating how a relationship will sort of end up going. Right. When the two of us met, I think we both expected to have like an extremely short term fling. And it's been four years. (laughs) And a bit. Most of our actual... Negotiation. Isn't that the topic? And negotiation, (laughs) which is the topic, ends up taking a format of one of us making a suggestion, the other one okaying or bringing up concerns and then us talking about the concerns until we reach a place either somewhere in the middle or the person with the concern is convinced that their concern is not substantially enough a likelihood that we should be too worried about it is that about right i think i think we just to sort of I agree with you, but I think just to reframe a little bit the second part of what you said, I don't think we talk until a concern is dismissed functionally. I think we we address the concerns as a general rule in consensus and then like try to decide together if they require more more renegotiation or if they are uh unlikely enough that we can do it on the fly if it occurs does that make more that to me makes more sense i don't know to me that makes a lot less sense but some listeners will probably see it each way because both are accurate technically yours just sounds like how a dude says it I give a bunch of advice that I don't follow in our relationship, but I follow or historically have followed in most relationships uh, in terms of like scheduling check-ins and 
things like that. And it's mostly that that annoys the shit out of you. It's true. It does. So, uh, also, the part of the reason that it does is in our specific case, we're really good about uh, talking frequently and having those conversations address things as they come up. So I would be super annoyed if we did a thing with regular check-ins because like that's wasting time that we could be doing something else to me. Right. We talk literally every day. There isn't really a need to schedule a time where we're going to specifically talk to like we don't need a monthly state of the relationship meeting uh, because we talk every day and can say, hey, I have an actual problem. Is now a good time or do you want to talk about that later or tomorrow? Right, because we are going to talk later and tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Whereas historically, I've had plenty of relationships where either because we worked opposite hours or because it was, I don't want to say more casual because it feels like the wrong word, but more time asynchronous in whatever part of scheduling made that so. Um, and it was before text messaging was such a pervasive part of my life. So I couldn't keep in touch with people by computer. Um, <laughs> so if I only saw somebody every two weeks, I really only saw somebody every two weeks. Like, I didn't have a phone with, like, a smartphone with a real data plan on it until... 2012 yeah it's about i think i was a little bit ahead of you on that but right. not most, much most americans were like a year to two years ahead of me um you are because, an american you even though you try to pretend well, you're not no i'm trying <laughs> to explain why i was living in canada at the time and just they adopted sort of smartphones and texting like six to 18 months behind and i was a poor and cheap person living in canada so it took me <laughs> getting a job for a phone company to and the phone company giving me a phone for me <laughs> to get on the smartphone bandwagon but so anyway um the the point that I was trying to make is that uh, in a lot of these relationships where things were more spaced out and in a lot of relationships where the person who you're seeing is closer to polysaturated or currently polysaturated where like getting on their Google Calendar is kind of hard – Right. Doing regular check-ins is a lot more valuable than in a case like ours where you have three partners, two of whom you live with, and so things really get addressed as they come up. 
and then me where we talk every day so things get pretty much addressed as they come up or at least within a reasonable window right addressed as soon as i'm done overthinking the thing to the point where i can say it at you without sobbing Mm -hmm. um because (laughs) people i have too many feelings and whenever i'm stressed about anything else it turns into i sob about whatever i'm talking to uh so sometimes i just need a minute before i can actually tell my partner an issue because otherwise it sounds like my world is ending because of it and i don't mean for that to be how it sounds yep which is only slightly frustrating when it seems like it's an issue that i could have resolved before the overthinking cycle started but (laughs) that's neither here nor there nor is it germane to this specific discussion I mean, it is germane to this specific discussion, having different ways of handling an issue uh, or different ways of dealing with feelings can definitely contribute to how you end up making agreements. Um, But so I do actually mean every word of what's written on the blog in uh, all of the posts from the very beginning of the blog talking about how to make relationship agreements and I do sort of more specifically mean the issues like the one that I outline in the post on Ken and I having a difficult time negotiating when we were going to start having sleepovers and how those were going to go. I was wondering Um, if we were going to do that or just be like, you can go read it on readyforpolyamory.com. Well, so you can (laughs) just go read it. Uh, It was linked to in the intro as well as below in the notes, but you can also listen to us talk about it now. If you find it terribly (laughs) boring, you can fast forward and then we'll say goodbye. Listen, I think that we should just poll the audience first because they might want to hear about how you're wrong about breakfast instead. And I think that that might be a more interesting discussion for the audience. So let's just wait and hear what they have to say. We can't actually phone a friend to poll the audience. So (laughs) So um, we'll just assume they agree with me and... We can talk about both (laughs) and then I can cut the one that comes out worse. Look, no kidding. So, guys, no, we're going to talk about both of these things. Oh, good. I, good. Um, Our first real argument was because Laura doesn't understand the importance of breakfast and how it should be constructed. <laughs> look, Ken really loves like the standard American diner breakfast because and it is the best breakfast. I think that it is delicious when you're out at a diner be that at any time of day the best diner food is breakfast food with a reuben sort of hovering just behind and i would agree that that standard american diner breakfast is delicious and that the parts of it that you can make at home are also delicious But my favorite breakfast in the world is not standard American diner breakfast. Uh, I have 
family living in a bunch of different countries and some of them are uh, cousins of mine who ran a restaurant in Spain until their retirement a couple of years ago and boy does Spain not know how to do breakfast for the record no so (laughs) it's just extremely not what Americans do for breakfast (laughs) you toast bread you put grated tomato on it which is actually one of the like most unexpectedly delicious things is just olive oil and either really finely chopped or grated tomato and then thinly sliced meats so any cured meat uh, it doesn't have to be like the <laughs> finest Serrano ham you've ever seen. <laughs> it can be something you can buy at the grocery you're store. You're forcing me to eat this for a breakfast. It better be the finest Serrano ham I've ever seen. Look, I have never forced him to eat this. I've only expressed that <laughs> I like this better. I, in fact, so let's make pretend. this at home for myself with Capicola. I did it this morning. But, like, so let's bring this back in. I think we can bring this back in. We had our first fight about this in an elevator on our first trip away in Denver. And it was kind of a great argument because only I was taking it seriously. Ken like firmly <laughs> believed the things he was saying about breakfast, but, but like I don't have an emotional steak in it. Right. Was oh, now just, steak. Now there's a breakfast food for the record. <laughs> he's sitting there like defending this as we walk multiple blocks, as we get into the elevator, as we're like going up the elevator to whatever floor we were staying on that was high enough that the elevator took a while yep and and the whole time i'm thinking we're just having a fun silly argument right about something that doesn't matter elevator i'm like we need to stop talking about this i'm getting actually upset Unless you really want our first fight to be about breakfast, <laughs> you need to stop right now. <laughs> and so I looked and I was like, wait, are you actually upset about this? Because I understand that it hurts to be wrong. But and I was basically like, <laughs> you are actually insulting both my personal preferences and my family by the way you're phrasing this so you need to either walk it back or stop so i stopped because i fully am not willing to walk it back i am still correct and we occasionally now bring it up and laugh uh he laughs harder than i do mostly because he gets to intrinsically believe he's right because we're in the country (laughs) from which the thing he's defending comes it all began because i argued that the western omelet is not real (laughs) i believe that was the genesis is you tried to defend like southwest eggs or some abomination right i ordered like a western omelet as our breakfast that morning 
And he spent the whole day picking on this until I turned around and was like, shut up about my eggs. I was like, don't order the wrong eggs again. I don't understand. Now, so really, though, what happened was we sat down and we talked and like you explained that like you were actually starting to take this seriously and it felt like it was attacking. And I was like, I'm sorry. I was just trying to be silly even though I'm actually right. Right. And so that went fine. The thing I was actually trying to talk about, uh, which is the one that I bothered making a blog post about, because I think it was our actual first fight, was just before that, I'd gotten... No, a while before before that. that. Yeah, it was a ways before that. uh, I'd gotten offended because I'd invited him to spend the night several times and he'd had what felt like flimsy excuses for leaving at 2 or 3 a.m. instead. And to me, leaving any place at 2 or 3 a.m. when you're not 25 or under uh feels like a comment on whose house it is or like your comfort level with the person and not a neutral thing that you might choose to do and that was clearly not how he saw it he either saw it as like and I absolutely accepted as not a flimsy excuse oh, no, I have to do stuff for the kids in the morning because I also have kids and, like, I know that story. But any of his other excuses just felt really thin. And he didn't understand that my perception of... what it meant to occasionally sleep at someone's house was really different than his. He saw it as like, just not a big deal. And he likes his bed and his things. So why wouldn't he go home to his bed and his things and sleeping in as late as he wants and not being potentially awoken by my small children? And that disconnect where I couldn't see that that's where he was coming from was, like, making me increasingly annoyed about this subject. And because I did the thing where I asked a few times and then I sat on it and overthought, by the time we had the conversation, because I hadn't resolved any of my feelings, I just spiraled on them. I walked into it going, you have no good excuse for this. That was not a productive way to start that conversation. Yeah, the opening of that conversation was a little rocky. <laughs> if I remember correctly. Um, but uh, uh, I'm not always super good at the 
okay, let me listen to the grievance with an open mind and figure out what's going on here, part of the conversation. So I don't know how well I did that time. But eventually, uh, we got around to sort of what it was about because I fully didn't get, like, why that would be an issue. Like, I am not a night... I am a night person. I am not a night sleeper as a general rule. And so when... I've been awake alone for two hours and doing whatever I'm doing and not sleeping anyway. Uh, it seemed to me like not a big deal to be like, well, uh, you've been asleep for two hours. I'm just going to go and I'll lock up behind me and talk to you tomorrow. And I didn't, I fully didn't understand why she would be upset about that. Um, and so I sort of had to just sort of open my mind and listen to everything she just explained to all of you. And um, sort of tried to explain my point of view on it. And uh, we ended up in a, a version of a, a consensus there, I think, as to uh, a comfort level and uh, finding a way for us both to uh, feel okay about it. And that just came around to discussing it. Right. And periodically, we still have to rehave that conversation because life circumstances will mean that, like, sleepovers don't happen for a couple of months when they're supposed to happen a little more often just for me to feel better about them. Oh, sure. Uh, COVID is my fault. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I know. Uh, I'm teasing. Uh, but... All of the, you know, like, just life will get crazy for one or the other of us. And so the nights that we're seeing each other become nights that can't be sleepovers for one reason or another. You're tired and just want your own space back. Um, and so then I have to go, hey, it's accidentally been three months uh, and I've noticed every week that's gone by, but I didn't want to be a bitch and say something uh, the first week that it was past the time frame we've said. And now it's been many weeks past that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you just don't notice for you. It's just, oh, I'm still on my routine. Uh, to bring us all the way back around to the middle of this conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's one of the ones that we do periodic check-ins because it is a pretty hard disconnect between uh, one of the things that's like super important to you and something that just is not part of my worldview at all. So I have to like be really conscious of it. And I'm not always 100% good at that. Right. And he gave me a giant teddy bear to sleep next to when he's not around. But it's then my not children a bear. stole it. It's a koala. Look, it doesn't matter that it's a marsupial. The stuffy <laughs> is basically a bear. Don't, don't miss species, Wally. <laughs> Wally Koala is amazing, but my children stole him when we moved house uh, because it made them feel like I was in the room to have my Wally in the room. 
and so now I are you telling me on live pre-recorded really radio that I need back. to replace him? Is that no. what this is? <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you want to, I mean, I'll I will. Um, <laughs> it just seems like you're telling me on live pre-recorded, not radio, that you require a replacement. Uh, so with that, I think you're going to cut this, aren't you? You're going to cut all parts of this where I gently give you shit. And no, I'm absolutely not because <laughs> I've learned from analytics that all people want is the side jokes that mean nothing. <laughs> uh, guys, I'm trying to educate you between the jokes. I don't know if you've noticed. I have educational um, jokes. No. I think you should so, wrap us up. I feel like yeah, we've gone where we're going to go here. for talking to me about trying to make relationship agreements. I uh, think my pleasure. The One of the more challenging things to discuss in a way that's actually engaging uh so i appreciate you putting in the effort with me when (laughs) everyone else i asked refused i'm not kidding that everybody else refused that topic i shopped it around having to talk about relationship agreements with a current partner in an educational way was not really the thing I wanted to do. So I hope our joking around and uh, in between managing to honestly chat about some issues that we've had uh, worked in terms of illustrating the point to you. And if for some reason it hasn't, please feel free to email me at readyforpolyamory at gmail.com or through the contact form at readyforpolyamory.com so that that way we can get into a little more of a discourse about it. Or, as I said, look at those links that are in the show notes to get this in a format that's a little bit more technical and a little bit less me and Ken making fun of each other, mostly him making fun of me. Uh, as always, uh, you can support the show and the blog and the ongoing existence of both of them through the Patreon and the Ko-Fi. If you particularly love an episode or a blog post, dropping a little tip in my jar through the Ko-Fi is really appreciated. And if you want to support the show in general, uh... Becoming a Patreon subscriber is great, and we get to put fun additional things uh, up for members that the public doesn't get to see. So, I hope you consider that. Um, Thank you so much for listening, always, uh, and for continuing to read on the blog. Next week, we'll be back with Friend of the Show, My Metamore and serial triad haver Daniel Greenwolf about why triads and other such group relationships are challenging, but people find them so appealing anyway. Have a great week. Bye.